Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. First one back in a long, long time. I'm back from vacation. And fortunately, Ari was not on vacation. He was here covering all this crazy stuff. And I apparently missed a lot. So I would like to hear everything I missed through the lens of one Ari Wasserman. I, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, we're, it, so be kind of grab assy, and then we'll try to be real. Uh, through the lens of Ari is always a scary thing to do here. But I want to say before we start, Andy, I missed your face. Uh, were you out? Did you wear – so he went to Park City, and I want to know, did you wear any uh, loud ski suits that matched pants? And no, shirt? but my, my <laughs> wife my wife wants to buy me one kind of like a, a, a skiing unitard. Yeah, it has to be uh, neon green or, yes, or bright yeah, she's, blue. Yeah, She's already picking one out for next year. And so here's the deal. I tried skiing like five or six years ago. It did not go well. Lots of crashing happened. I was like, I'm not skiing again. I'm just going to go. The family can go ski. I'll go to the bar. All will be well. This time I was like, you know what? After several days at the bar, I'm like, I'm going to try skiing again. So on our last day, I it's took the abs. Day. That's what it is. It's being in shape again. That's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Yeah. Cause like, I, I'm in I shape. Took a, I'm a, well, I'm a specimen now. I, I can <laughs> lift heavy. That's what that is. Spoiler alert. I didn't do any better. I crashed a lot, but I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. I felt good enough at the end of the day that I'm going to try it again next time. And I'm going to, you know, try to put a few days together and feel, you know, hopefully a little more comfortable on the mountain by the time we're done this time next year. But yeah, I was, I was feeling lonely out there because stuff was happening in the world of college football and I was trying to be disconnected. I was trying to, to just enjoy and not, not pay attention, but you know, it gets kind of difficult, especially one of the stories involved my alma mater and a lot of people I know. And so I was getting a lot of phone calls from those people as that was going on. And, you know, it was hard to hard to ignore, but I, I tried. So I want you to explain all of this stuff I missed to me. Okay. So what do you want? Let's do you want to go story by story or outline all of them up and then go down the list so people know what we're getting into. Let's surprise them. Let's just start. Well, yeah, let's go story let's by story. Story by story, and I'll rank them in in, in whatever Well, weird first way we have I to decide. answer a question from Dominic the Blind. Okay. Andy, the biggest question we need to know, did you buy a hat while you were there? As in, did I buy a hat from some fancy shishi frou-frou resort? I did not. That's that's Ari's thing. Do they sell hats? Do they sell hats at Airbnbs? <laughs> they they don't. This this one should have sold hats because it was they, they did a great job. It was very nice. They had everything we needed. So but, fun fact about uh, Utah is that Dumb and Dumber was actually filmed filmed in Salt Lake City and not Aspen. Oh, uh, wow. I don't know if you know that. I didn't um, know that. So now, like, thinking now about I you, really and, needed dresses Lloyd Christmas and like yeah, the Utah airport has a recent renovation, and when oh, you land at your gate. You have to walk three and a half miles to get out of the airport. I don't know if you mm -hmm. had that experience or not. Like, was I did. It an I did far walk. No, it wasn't that bad. But I, I will say the Shake Shack that before you go into the terminal was a great breakfast before I left. Do they? Would they put egg on the burger there or what? I've never had Shake Shack breakfast before. They they have breakfast sandwiches, but you can just order the regular menu. So I did smoke shacks with no shack sauce, and it was <laughs> tremendous. Yeah, it's a breakfast of champions. Um, but I remember I flew into my wife's brother lives in Salt Lake City. So when we went there the first time, and I think it was before the renovation, I was like, this is the goodbye, my love. You know, like, <laughs> exactly. the airport. And Slippy, I, and I went slappy. Samsonite. No. So I was like picturing Andy uh, just living that Lloyd Christmas life out there. And you know what? I'm happy you had a good time. Um, uh, so let's get into it now. So the first thing I, th I think and I saw is like a recruiting story that was on ESPN's bottom line, oh. which you see not so, you know, sometimes like when Arch Manning com committed and stuff, you, yeah. you see it, but not all the time. But everybody knows the Manning name. So that's why that's there. So yes. everybody listening to the show knows that what's going on, but you, I'm sure you know what's going on too with Jaden Rashada. So he flipped from Miami to, to, Florida to Florida at the end of the process after it seemed like he was favoring Florida for a long mm -hmm. period of time during his recruitment. So when he signed with Miami or, or sorry, committed to Miami, Florida right. fans went batshit because they thought Miami's NIL was just better than theirs. Right. right? And, then, and then when he flipped to Florida, 
then it they was were fine. Making, the Florida people made fun of the Miami people. Yes, and Miami people were talking about NIL, and I feel like in Florida in general, it's just a big unit measuring competition well, between who well, can there, pay the most. There's okay? another school in the big three that has taken a completely different tact, and we'll, we'll get yes, into that. Yes, we will. Um, but then Jaden Rashada ultimately signed with Florida, which what as a result of what many of us assumed After was a, very a better strange delay in Billy Napier's press conference time. Cause Jaden Rashada's national letter of intent was not in. Yes. So now a week or so after, and you hadn't gone on vacation yet, but there was rumblings about yes. whether, cause he didn't show up to campus yeah. on time. Spoiler alert. I worked on this a lot. Yes. Before I went on vacation. So you should be Alan, explaining Alan it to Taylor me. ended up writing the story on Friday and did a fantastic job. Our Florida writer, Alan Taylor, did an amazing job breaking it all down. But yes. Yeah, so now basically we're in a position where he has been released from his national letter of intent yep. after requesting it. And the, I guess we don't have to get too much into the Rashada himself, but I think but that I, the figure was into the, the Florida of it all. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what you're here for. But like, I yeah. think that I remember correctly that they were supposed to pay him thirteen million dollars. Like yeah, that I, was what they agreed upon. I, be, or I believe they agreed the, upon. I believe the phrase "up to" is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that contract. Yeah, but the okay. the number thirteen million was on on the contract based on everybody we've talked to, and that just blew my mind because that was one of those things where you heard it and you're like, that can't be true. And then you talk to more and more people who you trust, and they're like, yeah, that was on there, and it's like. Really? For this guy? Who Miami thought was the second best quarterback in his class? Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's that's what happened with Miami is they actually took a commit from a player from the panhandle the same week they took Rashada's commitment. And I think the coach is just like the other guy better, to be, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Um, but the NIL stuff is amazing to me because it's it's just – it's the stupidest thing I've ever covered, I think. It, like Florida's decision and the people's decision, the people who are involved, their decision to write this contract, to send it to another human being and have them sign it. Like it is the dumbest. So here's my thing, thing I've ever heard. And my opinion of this whole thing after reading this stuff, Andy, and you tell me is, is there a little bit of who can write the bigger check competition going on? in Florida? Like, I mean, are we even talking well, about, like, this it's is not a competition because whoever said they were going to spend $13 million over four years on Jane Rashada decided they couldn't right. do, either couldn't or wouldn't, or wouldn't do, it. do it because it makes no sense, but because it's, it's idiotic. But I feel now, like a lot of this too. It's like, if you, I went to the elite 11 camps, mm -hmm. I've seen Jane Rashada throw in real life. Yeah. And he is a skillful prospect that has the tools. But right. there is a lot of development that's going to have to occur with that kid before he ever gets to be peak. Wait, if so he ever gets to that point, you shouldn't pay him thirteen million divided by four to start as a freshman in the SEC. You're saying that might. Be I don't think thing. that he might be ready to start as a freshman in the SEC. Let's, yeah, you know, he okay. missed a lot of throws, and I'm yeah. not trying to. So here's what I always say about the Elite Eleven: the, the coolest thing about it is that when you go to it, Andy, they have counselors. And mm -hmm. last year, the counselors were Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, good. and Devin Leary. Also kind of and good. Those, three three kind of good players. Those counselors also participate in the drills with the high schoolers. Ah, and when so the you counselors... compare them to really good college players. Right. So you get to actually watch these college players go through it. And the year before, it was Malik Willis. So, like, I've seen what polished college players look like, and I've seen C.J. Stroud at the elite 11 himself and the amount of progression that these players go through from being seniors in high school to polished sophomores or juniors or Heisman trophy finalists like CJ and, and Caleb Damn. were the, the gap between those two things is huge. Now credit to Caleb and CJ and Devin and other guys that are in that position to have done that to go undergo that development. But when you watch the finished product versus the in making product, Mm -hmm. You have to be out of your mind to think, well, I'm going to give the in-progress product that might not ever become the finished right. product the money that should probably be going to the finished product because right. it's it's huge. So Jaden Rashada could not stack up in any drill, obviously, to what Caleb Williams was doing, right? And right. the expectation is that he Nor would you expect him to. Why yeah. would he? Yeah, right. So, like, I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't – I'm not trying to mean – Jaden Rashada's no, skill I, set. I'm trying I, to remind I feel bad people bad for Jaden Rashada in all this. 
Yeah. Because he's getting dragged through. And and let's be perfectly honest. It is the people around Jaden Rashada who are causing all this. At hit, you know, the people around him and the people at the school level at the various schools, they are the cause of all this. So all of it is speculative when it comes to what what this person will be, which is obviously everybody in recruiting. But I I just wanted to make a point of how stark the difference is between legitimate NFL draft pick and freshman in yeah. college who just was in high school. So the thing that I'm wondering is from reading all this stuff, Andy, and you probably are more plugged in than me on this because of, of your proximity to that program. But it seems to me that Florida did whatever it could or tried to do whatever it could to get this kid in its class for a symbolic purpose, Correct. which is to win a recruit that Miami wanted, even mm -hmm. though he's from California and to put the button on top of, or the bow on top of the class to say, yep. you know what, we can do this. And really, it was more so about that than it was about Rashada himself. It, it, I don't even think the person mattered. It's a quarterback that was in Miami's class, and you're taking it away. And that is where the stupidity starts. That okay. is the, the root cause of the sheer stupidity that resulted in this, all of this. Here's why it's stupid. Did Alabama want him? No. Did Ohio State want him? No. Did Georgia want him? Well, they might have recruited them early on, but yeah, but like he wasn't like at the but top. But did not of their go boards. all yes. right, exactly. So if if the person's not being recruited by any of those, you're already playing in the JV. You're already in the junior varsity. You shouldn't be thinking about any huge dollar figures with somebody like that. Right. So the fact that that even became a thing that will outspend Miami, you don't need to outspend for that person. That person is not as good as other players that are going to these other places. So the th the conversation, I think that's more interesting because like you can like, like you said, if you feel bad for the kid, I don't want to make the entire conversation about. I do feel ter I do him. feel terrible for the kid. The question I have honest. is, will the NIL unit measuring contest go? beyond how good the players are and this is just a chance for people that have a lot of money to 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 flex the same way they would if they were to buy a nice well, I car think, i think what happened at florida is whoever promised the money and then backed out realized oh wait this is actual money i have to spend why would i do that right it makes no sense yeah. and so the other the, the the questions that i have really more so than just what this means for florida and rashada and then you can get into your your florida yeah. piece about what it means for their program because everyone yeah. just says that florida seems to be in shambles right now yeah i have so many questions and if you want the re perspective let me ask you or give you the re Go perspective in question form a why would any player in Jaden rashada's position mm -hmm. ever sign a national letter of intent ever again well, no, I, I have been arguing this for over 10 years, Ari. It's the worst contract in sports, and if you have any leverage, if you have a lot of offers, then you shouldn't sign it. Uh, I mean, this goes back to Roquan Smith. Remember, Roquan Smith was going to go to UCLA, and right before he, he actually made his announcement that he was going to go to UCLA, but he hadn't signed the letter yet. Between making the announcement and signing the letter and faxing it in, he, he found out that UCLA's defensive coordinator was getting a job with the Falcons. And so he's like, well, screw this. I'm not going, you guys lied to me. I'm not going there. And so he eventually, I talked to his high school coach that day and he's like, and the high school coach is like, I don't know. I don't think he's going to sign a letter of intent now after this. He's been, he's feeling pretty beat up by the process. Roquan Smith was the, you know, one of the top two or three linebacker recruits in the country. He could have gone to 50 different schools if he'd wanted to, 60 different schools if he'd wanted to. So, Georgia go, comes to him. He's like, we'd like you to come. He's like, great. I'll be there. Not signing anything. And you know what? Roquan Smith could say that because he could have gone to 50 other schools. If you are the 25th person in Rutgers class, you probably need to sign the national letter of intent. Right. But if, if you're you in have, Rashada's position and there is yeah. money in place and I haven't, yeah. I, the only contract or pieces of the contract that I've ever seen was the one that we got right. at the athletic. But is there language in the documents that these guys have to sign for their NIL money to come through that says you have to sign that document? Nope, nothing. It's binding. It, it's no, absolutely not. So it then, says, what's the purpose of this? It, it seems says like you an must extra... be an enrolled student. Like in this particular contract, it said you must live in Gainesville and be an enrolled student athlete. Yeah. Okay. So that's 
it's just dumb to sign it because you can go yeah. wherever you want to go. It's an extra piece of red tape that's unnecessary. Which, which is no... which is really funny because you could actually fulfill the terms of that contract if you if you somehow walked onto the basketball team at Santa Fe College, the community right. college in Gainesville. So it's, yeah. So so the second that's a perfect segue to my second question is yeah. Is anybody reviewing how asinine these contracts seem? And it reminds me when I was 20 or 19 years old and I just graduated college, I had my first job in journalism, I made $17,000 a year mm-hmm. and I had to sign a contract for my first job that had a non-compete clause in it. Now, if you think it's about like how a, it's like the Scientology I'm signing for a million years. Contract. Think about like you're hiring a kid with no expertise, no experience whatsoever. Yeah. You're paying them less than a livable wage. And on top of that, you're making the kid yeah. sign a form that has a non-compete. Now, I signed the form because I was did so you, desperate. Did you have another time. offer? I signed the form because I was desperate uh-huh. to get a job in journalism. Yes. So I signed the form and then I got another offer a year or two later. Mm-hmm. And my boss at the time started giving me giving me flack about the non-compete. And thankfully... Mm-hmm my father stepped in and helped me, you know, sort through it. Cause I was just a right. kid at the time. And he goes, yeah, if you want to, you want to give a kid a non-compete who's making this much money, then I'll glad you, you can pay more in court fees to enforce it. If you want, like yeah. my dad, like was like, I'll make a point here. Like you want to go to court, let's go to court. Then yeah. the guy just like, was like, let, because it was just an intimidation thing. Right. But like, I'm, I'm thinking like, if you have, um, somebody that can look at these contracts because it seems like and i bring that up because it seems like it's kind of like a nonsense a lot of nonsense in these well, here's the thing everybody involved especially in this florida case everybody involved is a rank amateur everybody and there's a lot of shadiness going on so so like this will not be the last time that a player is promised money and when a player is promised and you said up to 13 million dollars yeah. a player a parent, anybody who hears that number, me, you, yeah. would get really excited mm-hmm. and really kind of th- throw caution to the wind and accept that as reality. And then when you get into this position, you go to the school, and of course it's not real because it makes no sense financially or in any other way. So this will not be the last time. This will probably be the first time that a player... Well, and, and one of these will end up in court, and we'll get a good look at it, and we'll find out how yeah. the, the sausage well, but- got made. And, and this one might at some point end up in court we don't and know it, and if it my does, guess is no because it would mess up any future or it could potentially hang up any future deal that rashada might want to do with whoever he winds up signing with but also too how much money is in a cost of, for litigation of that you like you Correct. also have to like think about like this is a weird contract that doesn't make any sense i was never going to get the money to begin with am i going to sink 100 yeah. grand into trying to and pursue then, money right that and there's also exist. time you know, the, the time element. And he's it, also 18 and needs to develop yeah. as a quarterback and doesn't need to be in, in, involved in this. Like, there's a yeah. lot. But this he was the first official NIL holdout of college football because that's what that was. He didn't, yeah. he didn't show up. He held out. And then when the money wasn't going to come or the money that was offered in, in, in retros, or sorry, in a, instead of it mm-hmm. was less, he opted to leave the program and now is being recruited. And I thought he was yeah. at... I see a few Pac-12 schools that he's in the yeah, next Col- Colorado is one of them. One that I think I saw at. Arizona State. He has, yeah. is getting a visit. And it's like, those schools, they're not paying no. that. So, no, they won't you know, anything so I think what this is is probably a reality check for him to say, you know what, Yeah, maybe the kid from California who's a top 100 player and has a ton of potential um, should be considering the schools in the region that have a chance to offer him development and whatever. And, the, well, and he's also probably a better is, fit for those schools to be probably with. a, cor- it's a correction to what he should have been offered. Right. wise in the first place. But this reminds now, me of this. Did you see the story? This woman was playing a slot machine in Vegas <laughs> and the slot machine malfunctioned. And it said she won like $175 million or something crazy. <laughs> wow. Like it was like, it was a malfunction. It wasn't a real jackpot, but the woman, right. how does a woman know? Right. And she is sitting there thinking she won this money, right? I would think the same thing. So for yeah. like a 10 minute period, she thought she had generational mm-hmm. gr- ch- grandchildren of grandchildren money. Yeah. The casino manager comes up and says this is a malfunction and offers her a steak dinner instead. Mm. So you go from I'd winning hold out, I'd hold out for million. about 10 million because so and I think they're in court now trying to figure out whether yeah, or not I mean I'm I'm going to the regulatory commission in Nevada and saying no, it said I want 175. But million. here's the problem. Enforce this on the slot machine. It says there's a there's a there's a placard on there that says oh. 
do, do we do not pay out uh, slot malfunctions. So like they had like a thing on there so that I think they're going to court to see if whether or not she should at least win the max jackpot on the machine. Like if she should at least get something out of it. But yeah. like, it does seem to me that like Jaden Rashada casino. That's where you go. We'll give you a million dollars right now. Just shut up and leave us alone. Yeah. But it reminds me of Jaden Rashad a little bit because he was probably sitting at that slot machine and probably mm-hmm. had these money or these figures in his head thinking like, I'm going to go to Florida. I'm yeah. going to make this much money. My family's going to be taken care of whether or not I get to the yeah. NFL or not. And then now is, uh, was offered a steak dinner and he's going to try to get more out of it. So we'll see yeah. what, what, he got what offered ends- more than a steak dinner. He like did, they, yeah. they tried to, they tried to correct it and, and give him something more reasonable, closer to market value. And, it doesn't sound like, and now look, I wouldn't have trusted them again. Yeah. I wouldn't do any business with them after, after Okay, that. so that's the second question. I've got well, three more. Oh, okay, okay. go ahead. Well, can, well, let me point something out. Because we've mentioned Florida and Miami, and, and the, the, the root cause of this stupidity was Florida wanting to beat Miami at something in, in recruiting. There's another school in the big three in Florida that has taken a very different NIL tack. Florida State does not it appears have the same level of NIL money that Miami does. We'll see about, I don't know. I don't know where the comparison is with Florida, but they seem to have concentrated all of their NIL efforts on retaining players who are good. So Jared verse who would have been a first round pick this year is back. Now, part of that is he thinks he can be a high, high, high first round pick next year. So there's a financial element to that. But there's also an NIL deal. Jordan Travis, the quarterback, NIL deal. Fabian Lovett, defensive tackle. Trey Benson. All of these are good to very good college players. Ari. Money well spent. Who won on the field when Florida State played Florida? Uh, Florida State. Who won on the field when Florida State played Miami? Uh, Florida State. Could it be? That there's a smarter way to do this. Well, we're all in the we're in the infant stages of it. It seems smarter now. The yeah. question is, do you think a team will be able to buy a national championship? Do you think it will ever happen? Because my I mean, opinion of that the is cynic, no. the cynic in me says that's happened about no, about no. Seven but I'm saying, times, I'm saying, so. let me let me rephrase it because everybody's on the take, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Will a team that is currently not at the cool kids table? the six or seven oh, teams buy their way into it, buy their way into that club. Will a team be able to buy their way into a Georgia roster? Will no, I think be it'll be, to- I, I think it'll be a piece of it, but you're still going to have to hire the right coach. They're still going to have to be great evaluators. Like, like do you think the tennis, who are the five teams that get, that get the most flack for being NIL hungry or heavy Tennessee, Texas A&M or Tennessee, A&M, Texas, Oregon, in Miami, there's four. Do you think oh, any Miami, of those teams yeah. will win a championship in the next 10 years? I mean, Tennessee was pretty good. Yeah. But but again, Tennessee appears to have hired the right coach. Yeah, Oregon, and also Tennessee was still far off. Right, exactly. And you I saw mean, that in the Georgia game. Oregon was far off, though it appears they've hired the right coach. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We're still in the – but I think that it will be – my hope is that everybody – gets a baseline deal between zero and a hundred grand, whether you're a five-star prospect or a three-star prospect or a two-star prospect, the five stars get closer to a hundred, right? The three stars get closer to 15, 20 to sign with the thought that if you produce in college, you will get a larger deal to be retained. Well, look at, look at every CBA, how they've been adjusted. Remember the NFL, it used to be that guys would hold out, for the high, I remember what Sam Bradford got paid before he ever played it down. And eventually the older NFL players in the unions were like, this is idiotic. We got to do something about this. So the union negotiated with the, with the owners so that the older players would get more. And they're like, hey, owners, we'll save you from yourselves. You can have salary slots. The NBA already had that. Yeah. Baseball doesn't because baseball to doesn't To reward have any the players of- who have already performed. Yes. Um, so now, I don't know if it'll ever get to that point because it would be nice it, that the it will. Play- if there's a CBA, if there's never a CBA, it would seem the market would be smart 
to just adjust that way since we've seen it yeah. adjust that way everywhere else. I mean, and who loses when the market adjusts that way? Everybody's yeah. paying less money. And then the money that you do spend is well spent on players that are, are bona fide entities already. Yeah, Dominic, so, Dominic the Blind brings up Glenn Robinson, who was the reason the NBA went to that, and they were the first league to go to that. So the, 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 the point I wanted to make, though, was we are so for players getting paid because of their labor, right? Like we're right. like, I like that money is in their pockets, yeah. but I do think that it's reasonable to slot the salaries in, in, in areas of, of actual worth at the time. So a five-star prospect to me might be worth a hundred grand. A three-star prospect might be worth 15, 20. If you think that they're going to develop yeah. into something. Now, and then the wanna... players like, like Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. if you want to start getting into the M's, those are the players that get the M's, and that I think will calm down this nonsense. Caleb because... Williams now, not Caleb Williams as a recruit, right? Caleb Williams now, yes, exactly. And like Caleb exactly. Williams, I would probably think was worth paying one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to, or a hundred thousand dollars to, as a recruit because he, he was would have been good. on the high end of the. He would have been on the high too. end. Yeah. But give them enough money where it's significant for them and their families, yeah. and also reflectant of of the fact that they are still a. Um, speculative asset. And then once they become the actual asset, then mm-hmm. they get the money that they... So well, the like, thing so- is, if, if, if you want to write this down and enforce it, you got to have a CBA. If you don't, if you want the market to handle it, I think the market will handle it, but there it's might be... It's going to take longer. It might be an occasional yeah. outlier deal. Yeah, that, and like, I don't know, like if the next Arch Manning comes and he doesn't come, for, and he doesn't come from... Right. Um, family wealth and he might be more interested in it, then maybe there'll be outliers, but there's outliers and everything. Like I'm fine with outliers. Exactly. The question is, is next year, are there going to be six Jade Rashadas? I, you know, that's I don't the think thing. so. I think, I think this is more of a cautionary tale than any, any, I don't think anybody wants, I mean, Florida looks horrible in this. Okay. So my other question, Andy, is does this set Florida back uh, in recruiting with NIL other kids in future classes when they, they look would, at this? It would give me pause if if they made a deal and then and then pulled the deal, which they did. That would absolutely give me pause. So I'm curious how that's going to play out if Florida tries to go to the table and negotiate with the 2024 kid, because they're going to have to do it. Um, okay, two more questions and then we'll move on to the okay. next. We're a half hour into this. Yeah, yeah. Is this an admission of breaking the rules? You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to induce. Well, nobody's nobody's admitted it yet. All of our stuff's off the record. No, no, I know. But like what's happened here is everybody with eyes can see what's happened here. Yeah. yeah. So if you have eyes, it's, it's basically just like there was an inducement. The inducement was, was false. And now the kid doesn't want that is literally by the letter of the law that everybody gets angry about NIL will. That is literally the book of what breaking the rule is. He's a high school student in California. So you can make a deal with him. The question is, where's, where's the contract base? If the contract is based in Florida, it breaks Florida's law. And therefore breaks the NCAA rule as well. So there's that. And yeah. then lastly, how do you um how do you grade Billy Napier? Does he have any responsibility in this? Yes. So give me your thought on like because how do you like you know uh, Billy break Napier down- and, and, and the AD Scott Strickland both bear responsibility in this because whether you're supposed to be involved or not, whether whatever the law and the rules say. You're supposed to be involved. You're supposed to wink, wink, nudge, nudge this stuff. And when it appears that one of your people or multiple of your people are about to give a kid $13 million in a contract that maybe they don't even plan to pay, like you need to see that this is a potential disaster and nip it in the bud before it happens. Like instead of being like, oh, we beat Miami for a player, be like, oh God, this could be terrible. Don't do this. Because evaluating coaches in this entire thing is like a very murky gray area situation. It's like on one hand, Billy Napier signed a class with I think the highest blue chip ratio in the class. Like that, mm-hmm. I think like uh, the like average star rating. Yes. No, no. The, he had more blue chip players in his class in totality right. uh, than most other schools Th- based on the total the same, number. Yeah, yeah. And he, he also had a very high and he average had the star rating. Four, yeah. I think they were fourth in average star rating. So even though yes. they didn't have a five star prospect, and that yeah. also included Jaden Rashada, so we're gonna have to adjust that. Yeah, they signed a very good class. W- wide and deep would be the wide and deep, yeah. not uh, not top heavy. Yeah. Um, so, but then on the other hand, you've got the epitome of off the field grab ass here. Oh, 
100%. And that can hurt you down the road with your other guys. Now, they have DJ Lagway, the quarterback uh, for 2024. Who I'm going to try to, to, to visit yeah. and write about and, in a and few seem, weeks. Yeah. And seems, you know, solidly committed. But obviously, it's a long time between now yeah. and signing day. So, uh, this is, this is going to be interesting to see how this affects them down the road. Because it is, again, one of the dumbest things you'll ever hear about. Um, it, it makes you question everything. Yes. Okay. So before we go on to the next topic, I see here, Andy, in our comments, and I want people who are listening to the podcast and the benefit of watching it live. Andrew Pace asked, would you rather sign Jaden Rashado or Aniko uh, versus Clemson or Georgia's defensive line class? We can answer it here, but Andrew, I want you to put that in my mailbag. Um, <laughs> yes, please. My mailbag this mailbag. week. And I guarantee you that I will use it. So the, for yeah. the fact that I saw that and being in here, I'm guaranteeing a spot in the mailbag. Please do that. Um, and so what, what is your take on this? Would you rather sign a high end? And like Rashada and Nico are different, are different. Like Nico yeah. is the number one overall player in the class on, on three. Like people think that Nico is a stud. Like I've Rashada, seen, I think is more Nico of a, in person. And it was interesting. Yeah. Just like Nico seems equipped to handle this uniquely personality wise. I'm not sure every quarterback's like that. Now, I still don't know ability-wise if, if Nico is going to be that good. Now, I, I what I think is promising about Nico is if you watch Nico's high school football tape, he's a pretty physical runner. And Nico's like 6'5", 205. Even though he's skinny, he's still physical. But his, but his dad's 6'6". Six, six, his dad's huge. Over 300. Yeah. So what I'm envisioning after a couple of years in a college weight room in my own mind is 6'6", six, 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 <laughs> six, six, 230 who likes to be a physical runner, but has yeah. a pretty good arm. Like that feels pretty good. Yeah. I, but again, I don't know because we haven't seen him play in college. All of this could be very different once you see him, once you see him in college. Now, Tennessee does not appear to be in a situation where they're going to thrust him into this because they, they certainly appear to be grooming Joe Milton to be the starter. Okay. But Andy, so, yeah. you know, Nico, you know, his profile, you know, how much he's supposed to take Georgia's D line class. Did you see Georgia's D line class? I'll take a D line. I'll Five take D line over anything else. Five star anything edge else. rusher, Damon yeah. Wilson. Yep. Uh, number 14 overall player in the country out of Florida. Four star uh, edge rusher, Samuel Impemba, who's a top 50 player yeah. nationally out of IMG. Yep. Uh, four star edge rusher, Gabe Harris out of IMG, who's the number 65. No, I, I'm taking the Georgia D line class. There's no question. I'm taking the Georgia D line class. <laughs> Like, Andrew, I love you, buddy. I don't think there's a debate. Like, I don't think that anybody would, would take the quarterback, but, but I want to make if, that point. But, because if, but if you if you ask me any anything, like a good recruiting school's D-line or O-line class versus one quarterback, I'm taking the good recruiting school's yeah, well, big people. Here's the thing, because the good recruiting school like Georgia already has enough assets to get a quarterback. Like they just won two national championships in a row with Stetson Bennett. So like what getting Nico at a place like Georgia isn't as important as it might right. be for a place like Tennessee even. But if you were starting off as the head coach at Washington state next year, mm -hmm. and you could take the number one quarterback in the entire country of your choosing, the one that you evaluate the oh, most you and take want the, the most. You take the quarter over oh, the oh. line. Oh, over the line. Oh no. Washington. Yes. No, you no, you drop, take the line. You can drop Georgia's uh, defensive yeah. line yeah, no, no. into the Pac-12. Like, <laughs> I, I thought we were—I thought we were working in the realm of the possible because you could actually get—you might actually get the quarterback under the right circumstances. There's no shot you will get. the Is line. there any scenario that you can come up with where the quarterback would outweigh the defensive line? No. No, but and especially because in quarterback recruiting, it's such a crapshoot. Like, if you throw enough four and five star large people at something. You will find ones who can play. Yeah. Also, too, getting five top 100 players is always better than getting one. Even though we do, we did say that hitting on one five-star quarterback and him reaching his potential is like hitting three five-stars, right? That, but this is, this is where college differs from the NFL. In the NFL, you need Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Or In Josh college, Allen or Joe Burrow. Right. Or In Jaylen college, Hurts. you don't. Yeah. You can you can live without him if you if you have enough if you're of the other stuff. And I think that the number one thing that you could say about the SEC's separation from the rest of the sport the last ten years has been elite level defensive line play, but and see, even the or the Clemson back, teams that won the championships. Exactly, and it goes yeah. back to it goes back to that Florida Ohio State national title game. Like I don't know that many people remember Joe Cohen and Stephen Harris 
who were Florida's starting defensive tackles at that time. Joe Cohen was a high school running back who went to the checkers on University Avenue and ate his way into being a defensive tackle, God, what a but, life. Never, but never <laughs> lost the twitch of a running back. And he's just running around Ohio State's offensive lineman in that game. Stephen Harris was a was another quick, you know, neither of them wound up being longtime NFL players, but Ohio State could not block them because they were their linemen were slower and those guys were faster. And that's that's the part that's different with the elite teams. And Ohio State now has certainly corrected for they this. Fix that, yeah. Yeah. Uh elite teams have fast big guys. That is the difference between they're always fast little guys. Everyone has fast little guys. Fast big guys are the hardest people to get. Yep. Okay. So 35 minutes in, Andy. All right. We have other, <laughs> other issues. Michigan football co-offensive coordinator Matt Weiss was fired for uh computer hacking. And Jim Harbaugh said he was staying because I was on vacation for that too. And Jim Harbaugh said he was staying. And we don't know what hacking he is doing. I don't know if he's insider trading or if it's yeah, we're, and, and more we probably it's probably irresponsible to speculate. Yeah. So let's not. But we, we just know they fired him for it, it. It is a the third thing that's happened with Michigan since they got into the playoff. Mozzie Smith's gun situation, and then also NCAA Jim, NCAA probe into Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh on top of that. That's not, as you would expect, cooperated with the NCAA. The NCAA uh, wants him to admit that he lied, and Jim Harbaugh, I think, just pretended, or didn't pretend, just was Jim Harbaugh, and was like, I'm not going to do that. And that's well, and, the end and, of it. And so, that, that probably needs, that's probably the, the thing that they need to do. Now, we, we, keep, we compare this a lot to the Jim Trussell situation because it's very similar. The NCAA had evidence that Jim Trussell knew in the form of an email to Chris Cicero. Right. That 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 proved the fact that you remember that name is more a peek into the Andy Staples beautiful mind. I didn't even remember that name. Yeah. So and I covered it. That that was their proof that he was he was not truthful with the NCAA investigators. So they had him dead to rights, and they knew they had him dead to rights. The question is, do they have Jim Harbaugh dead to rights? And and here's the thing: does it even matter? Nobody cares. Right. If they do, they're going to suspend him for a few games. If you're Michigan, you're like, okay, whatever, suspend him for a few games. That's still better than going out and getting another coach. It's also like the amount of money and time spent on the investigation. I'd like to know, like, has anybody ever done like uh, uh, in-depth uh, reporting story of how much an NCAA investigation costs yes. and who's funding it? Oh yeah, yeah. The the I mean the Ole Miss one. That was Ole, That was part of Ole Miss's defense in the in the public relations realm was point out how much Ole Miss had to spend, point out how much the NCAA spent. And point out how stupid it was over this many dollars that you're accusing. Right. Ole Miss and it was of, all like pennies. It was, less than, it was less than 60 grand and it was like hotel rooms and it was over yeah. a bunch of players and it was, it was idiotic. And, and it was actually a very effective PR strategy. I thought now that Jim Tressel got fired in, in, on Memorial day, 2012. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you an example of another coach that was fired in the spring of 2012, different sport. But was also caught dead to rights lying to the NCAA. Bruce Pearl. Tennessee fired Bruce Pearl as the basketball coach. Do you think, knowing everything that everybody knows now, would Tennessee have fired Bruce Pearl? Or would they just take in the penalty and not worried about it? Well, would they have fired Trussell at Ohio State? They definitely wouldn't have. And, and, and for those who say, well, Ohio State wound up better off because they got Urban Meyer, that's dumb luck. Like... He fell out finding, of the sky there. Yeah, yeah. Finding someone who did better than Jim Tressel was probably a one in 50, one in a hundred <laughs> scenario. So, but I guarantee you, knowing everything they know now, Tennessee never would have fired Bruce Pearl. They would have been like, okay, penalize him. We'll suck up the penalty and we'll still have a better basketball coach than most everybody else. Yeah. So there, but that's all three things in a row. I find it. Mildly amusing that as Michigan got really, really good, that these things also coincided with well, that and also, rise. Also and they have nothing because, to do with the rise, but it's just right, funny because... And, and also because that fan base tends to be a little holier than now. Yeah. Just a tad. So... But their number but, one defense before they were good was that they run things the right way. Yeah. And then they get good and then terrible things happen. Um, And it's like, 
none of those terrible things are the reason they were good. I just find it mildly no, amusing it has that they happened as a result it. of it. Yeah. Now here's the question, and this is not this is not an NCAA question. This is not a Matt Weiss question. This is a this is a Jim Harbaugh and and now last year I think Jim Harbaugh wanted the Vikings job. This year, he hired an agent. Clearly, they were shaking down Michigan, and I realized we said when this all started, he's not shaking down Michigan. But as this went on, it became very clear they were shaking down Michigan for more money. <laughs> and I'll tell you where I'll tell you where we we knew exactly why that was or that that was happening. Do you remember the Ian Rappaport tweet that said, this can all go away if Michigan just steps up? I was like, yeah. okay, well, I mean, I, I, I know at this point that Jim Harbaugh's hired an agent because it's our job to know who people's agents are. That was pretty naked. <laughs> like, <laughs> So, like, but, like, the thing with Jim Harbaugh is, like, don't you think he wants to be in the NFL, though? Maybe. But it doesn't think, seem like the NFL wants him. Because, like, if you're the Broncos and you can get Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh, you're going to take Sean Payton. Well, there will be a window of a job openings, and it could be as soon as next year where Sean Payton is not available. And also, how many coaches uh, in the hiring process have already led a team to a Super Bowl? Like, I think Jim Harbaugh right. is an attractive candidate for an NFL job. And I think part of the reason – like. Like I do think it's possible that Michigan either goes to the playoff next year again or goes ten and two and has a really good year. I mean, don't they return their entire team? It's like I mean, they I guess return a lot. And I also, I also think Harbaugh. Now we worry about what, how this affects recruiting. We may be worried about the wrong thing because Michigan won. There's an element of Michigan recruits itself a little bit. They're going to get some very good players who either have always wanted to go to Michigan. They love our, they love the campus. They love the university. Like. They're going to get some some elite talent that way, no matter who's coaching them. I think Jim Harbaugh's cracked a little code on the transfer portal. I think he's done very well there, and it seems like that they've they've figured out how to fill some gaps that way. Uh, yeah, um, I do think that it's possible that at the end of the road, though, there will be a Browns opening a whatever yeah. opening and another opening and somebody is going to want him eventually well and also so i don't think a job this is over with. maybe others don't want in the nfl and if he and i'm wondering if he wants to be in the nfl enough to take a job in the nfl that others don't want although i don't know that if that's actually like i think a thing. The Col- i think being the, the head coach of an nfl job is, no, no, is, no there's a, there's always people who will want that job but it's a matter of does the person you want want that job yeah like like the broncos is actually i i think not the easiest job in the world, obviously, because you've got Russell Wilson under this massive contract and he was not good this year. It's so you got to, yeah. you got, you got to believe you can fix Russell Wilson. Like the Colts, they got a weird roster situation and, and they're probably going to pick a quarterback and it, it may or may not be the one you want. Like that's another one. It's not the, maybe not the most enticing job. Yeah. So. It's also crazy because I feel like the NFL too is so much different than college and that for the most part, and like that Russell Wilson contract situation is an interesting thing to take into account, but everybody's on a level playing field. and doesn't matter what city you're in or where you're located right. or how big your market is. There's a salary cap. There's and an NFL you, draft. And if, you, like and if you, every, you hit on the right draft picks, you're going to be fine. It's like, I mean, look at Jacksonville yeah. this year. I mean, they were an yeah. absolute dumpster fire a year ago and they're in the playoffs this year. And yep. honestly speaking, I thought they played a pretty good game on Sunday. So, or yes. I mean Saturday. So they, they did. They were in the game. If if they don't give up a 98-yard drive to Chad Henney, they win the game. So, yeah, that By the way, Chad Henney, another one of those uh career-long <laughs> backups in Hell the Chase yeah. Daniel family. Yeah, that's just living the dream. And by the way, Chad Henney also, cuz I, I I remember this vividly, had a game-winning scramble at the end of the divisional round 2 yep. years ago for the mm-hmm. Chiefs. Not only is he like a career long backup to the greatest quarterback in the NFL, but like also makes plays every time he comes in. Yeah. Like is Why ready to go. There? Yeah. Why so he's still good, there. Good for you. Hey, you know what? Toast to you, Chad Henney. That's right. Chad, he actually Chad kind Henney. of looks like Chase Daniel a little bit. I covered his last game at Michigan. What was his last game at Michigan? I can't remember. Citrus Bowl. They torched Tim Tebow and company in the in, in, oh. in the Citrus Bowl. Oh my God. I remember that. Florida was a nine and a half point favorite. Yeah, and I think that was like was that the year after Florida won the national championship? Or it, right, so Florida's defense was not very good. There were some good young players like Joe Hayden, who just hadn't yeah. really put it all together yet. So was, they actually were between two national championships. They had a great offense and a very suspect defense. That was the Michigan team that had lost to 
Appalachian State to start the season, got murdered by Oregon because nobody had seen Chip Kelly's offense before, and then got better as the season went on. Like, it was a good Michigan team. I remember, but they lost to Ohio State that year too, right? They did. They did. But they were, I mean, they had Chad Henney, they had Mike Hart, they, yeah. they, uh, Jake but, Long, who was the but, number one pick in the draft. I remember, well, I was like, I was, that might have been 2007, so I was 20, and I was just really starting to get into gambling. I was like, there is no way that Florida does not beat the crap out of Michigan. And I put a bunch of money at the time for if me. you'd have known me, because I was a Florida beat writer. That was my last game as a Florida yeah. beat writer. And I would have told you, I would have said, put all of your money on Michigan. Did, didn't Michigan like win by like 35 or something? They it was, killed it was, it was yeah. dominant. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that, that was my, uh, I remember that. I'll never forget that game. Cause it was so, I remember being so convinced of something and so wrong. Yeah. And that happened again on Saturday night. Cause I thought the giants had a chance to beat the Eagles. Yep. Okay. Next story. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ari's like the less we can talk about the Giants and the Eagles, the better. Well, the good the, the good thing is that like I have been been huffing uh, Danny Dimes vibes for the past two weeks. I was really high on Zach Ament. Uh, Chad Henney has earned thirty eight point six million dollars in his career. There you go. Hasn't now, Chase Daniel made a hundred million though? Uh, I don't know. I think oh, he's, I thought he was like a some some absurd. They're in kind of a similar. Now Chad Henney was a starter for the Dolphins and for the Jaguars. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Okay, Garrett Riley to Clemson. Uh, Clemson fired offensive coordinator Brandon Streeter, mm-hmm. uh, who, which I believe is probably the toughest situation for a man who never changes his staff to do because yeah. he was very close with Streeter. That, that was he went away he, for I a few this, years. This probably was a, up there with when he had to fire Billy Napier after the 2010 season. They're very close, and yeah. as a result, Clemson, whose offense was anemic this past year, hired Garrett Riley, who uh, everyone knows. Uh, was the offensive coordinator of TCU and the younger brother of Lincoln Riley. Um, also looks just like the guy. Uh, Clemson is serious about fixing themselves. Just the higher of the offseason? I think so. I I think it should scare the hell out of the rest of the ACC because you look at historically when Dabo Sweeney has brought smart new people into the family. He listens, yeah. They, they, he listens and they get better. Like, you know, and, and, and you can say whatever you want about Chad Morris at Arkansas, but Chad Morris coming to Clemson, bringing that offense, he modernized the offense at Clemson, showed them how to use Taj Boyd, showed them how to use a dual threat type quarterback and run an up-tempo offense. And then remember they get destroyed by Dana Holgerson in the Orange Bowl. They fire Kevin Steele. They hire Brent Venables, who shows them you can run a dominant defense opposite an up-tempo offense and shows them how to do, you know, master is what we, we keep talking about with Lincoln Riley, what they need to do at USC. Like Clemson mastered that around 2014, 2015, figuring out how to kind of tweak the offense a little bit so that you're not just blur the whole way and practice the way you need to on defense to have a good defense. And it worked. And they became one of the best programs in the country and they won two national titles. And yeah, I mean, so Ari's mind, the show's Ari's mind. Over under how many years before Garrett Riley is a head coach? Two and a half. Um, under. If this works, he's a head coach next year. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say one and a half, but I didn't want to be ridiculous. You still would have taken the under at one and a half. Um, yes, I think it's under two. Um, and then that also opened the door for another offensive coordinator hiring. Um, because Riley left TCU, TCU uh, hired Kendall Bryles. I don't know if you want to. I think that's very interesting because the you know obviously a lot of TCU fans went nuts over that because nobody hated the Bryles family at Baylor more than TCU fans. Mm-hmm. So, and look, Sonny Dykes wasn't there for that. Sonny Dykes has Kaz Kazadi, who was Art Bryles' strength coach, on his staff already. Already, yeah. So they're not they're not worrying about that. The people inside the building at TCU. But the fans who spent a lot of time on message boards and a lot of time on on social media vilifying everyone with the last name Bryles or who's affiliated with the last name. So Jeff Levy, who's our son-in-law, would be another one. They're struggling with that. I don't think Sonny cares. And if this works, I, I think the CCU people will get over it. If this doesn't work, they'll run them out real quick. Yeah. What I what I think is more interesting. Do you see how fast Arkansas replaced him? Sam Pittman announced that Dan Enos was their new OC before TCU announced that they'd hired Kendall Bryles. 
Yeah. That, also, you don't see that very often. Well, TCU was better than Arkansas this year. But if we're talking about jobs and, and money and, and what people have to pay people. Arkansas is a more attractive job. Did Kendall have to go? Because maybe that was what was happening. Next story. (laughs) (laughs) Ole Miss is a quarterback carousel. All right. They Uh, all of them. They have all of them. Every single quarterback that played uh, more than 25 snaps last year is now on Ole Miss's roster. Um, Ole Miss. Spencer Sanders, Ole Miss. What do you think about that? And then, of course, Walker Howard, um, which is a real problem for me because I can't exist in a world where there's quarterbacks in college football named Will Howard and Walker Howard. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? <laughs> it's tough. Well, and, and Walker Howard, maybe that like, could be the starter. Like, this feels like an open competition to me. This this feels like Lane saying, I feel like we've got a good offensive. Now, Nick Broker declared for the NFL, but if you look at, at Ole Miss's O-line recruiting over the last few years. It, it feels Those were like young done, dudes last year, weren't they? They were younger players yeah. who did pretty well. And then Quinshot Judkins obviously yep. was awesome. So they had a good line. They had a good running game. They did not feel like they got the quarterback play they wanted. And obviously, coming off Matt Corral, anything's going to feel like a little bit of a letdown because the guy is really good. But I feel like he's he's now throwing it open and saying, okay, we want a dynamic quarterback. If we have a dynamic quarterback with the, all of the rest of this, it's going to be real good. Well, the question I have for you is why Spencer Sanders would leave if it was an open competition. Okay, so I, I was on I, – I did I hosted a show on the SiriusXM Big 12 channel about a week and a half ago, and Robert Allen, who is a, on the Oklahoma State radio network, broke down sort of the timeline of Spencer Sanders in Oklahoma State. And this is, this is coming from Robert, but Robert is very plugged in at Oklahoma State. And it makes a lot of sense that, that he said that basically the the deal originally was Spencer was going to enter the portal, but he was also going to play in the bowl game. But then he decided he wasn't going to play in the bowl game, didn't come to practice. And then looks around in the portal, decides maybe I do want to stay at Oklahoma State, tries to come back. And Mike Gundy and staff say, no, thank you. OK. And that was about the same time also that all those receivers from Oklahoma State went into the portal. Yeah. If, if you're if you're matching up timing so i know brody miller too had a lot of nice things to say about walker howard so like that could be a really interesting maybe the the most interesting right. quarterback competition in yeah the i mean fall. spencer sanders has four years of starting experience yeah at, also at a high very level. dynamic at times yes and and walker howard we don't know we've not gotten to see him we, we, we got to see brian kelly dance to to secure his commitment but yeah he pulled one of these out i don't know if you're <laughs> he watching did. That, he did the pulp fiction the <laughs> The Uma He's deep in his bag and the yeah. Yeah. Hey, and it's also and that's the cousin of this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Ari's got two fingers over his eye, which was uh, this is what you see, get when you watch it. I missed that whole period of of Instagram and and single life and all that, so I didn't even know it existed until Ari started sending me pictures from 2015. So I I just you were out of the I'm, game, baby. You were out of the game <laughs> happily out of the game. <laughs> uh, this is a weird situation but it it goes back to something i always say because i you know i i have friends who will text me about quarterback situations at schools and you know at their favorite schools and they'll be like but what happened this guy might leave and i'm like who cares he's a quarterback you're gonna sign four more like quarterbacks transfer get over it you got three now you only need to find one that's right so if i'm lane I'm going to take as many as I can. I mean, I also, too, one. I could say Spencer has one more year left, unless he's got nine more years somehow. <laughs> um, and just be like, Walker, this is a developmental year. This program is yours starting next year. I think that's an okay sales pitch to keep both. Well, and, and also, it, we've seen this in a couple places. because It feels like Wisconsin has done this, too. It feels like Wisconsin took Wisconsin Tanner Mordecai. Wisconsin is like Mordecai. 25, yeah. Yeah, Wisconsin <laughs> took Tanner Mordecai to play this year. And then Nick Evers and, um, oh, I'm blanking on the, the guy who transferred from, was it Mississippi State? The, the, the freshman who was at Mississippi State this yes. year. So those two guys would compete to be the quarterback of the future, and Mordecai would be the quarterback of the present. In this case, maybe Spencer Sanders is the quarterback of the present and Walker Howard is the quarterback of the future. But Walker Howard's like, you know what? I, maybe I can beat him out. And you and I both know Lane's going to play the best guy. Yeah, yeah. So, but hey, Ole Miss, transfer king, right? I mean... They have a they have a nice team again, and I don't know if we're going to be. I, can I argue that? And and look, Lane <laughs> Lane said this to us. He's like, I didn't name myself that. 
He retweeted it, but he didn't name himself that. Tweets are endorsements. It's true. But can I can I propose an alternate transfer king? Yeah, Mike Norvell. Yeah, you're. I feel like you're pretty high on Florida State right now. I think they're going to be pretty good. Now, if What's Garrett Riley's good? good, the second best team in the ACC. Let me ask if, you this: If, if Garrett Mike Riley's Norvell, really good at Clemson, then I don't, I don't, I don't think they're. If Mike Norvell them. goes ten and two four straight years in a row, is that a success? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Like does Florida State want compared to, to what he walked into? Absolutely. No, I know, but is that like what Florida State wants, or does Florida State want elite again? They want to lead again, but I think they they understand that's not difficult. Andrew Pace, by the way, on our Ole Miss discussion, says, "Don't forget about Jackson Dart." We haven't, but it appears they have. They have, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they're sending us a message. Andy, we're fifty five minutes into this. We got one more story we have to talk All right, about. Go for it. Deion Sanders, for the second mm-hmm. consecutive year, has signed the number one cornerback in the country. Cormani McLean has officially flipped. Well, he, hasn't, he hasn't signed oh, him. Yet. Sorry, will yeah. sign the number one cornerback in the country. Flip from Miami. Go. <laughs> have you ever seen that movie Rat Race? I have, unfortunately. He, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, he hands everybody. There, there was GPS somebody in the theater. Goes, there was somebody in the oh! theater. Yeah, somebody in the theater who wouldn't shut up when I saw the movie Rat Race. I remember, distinctly, I saw it at a theater in Tampa, and the person in front of me would not be quiet, and they were they they would just narrate what was going on on screen. Like at one point he goes, he's going to steal gas. And I'm like, yes, we can see that. We see him stealing gas did you get on the a, giant a, screen in front of us. Did you uh, get into a verbal confrontation with him? I did not. I may have just thrown popcorn at him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so he's doing it, right? It'll be really fun. I, I think more. Uh, we had uh, many... Uh, Navarro on a Stars Matter last week, and he said that yep. Cormani's more of a developmental guy, even though he's a five-star prospect. It might take some time for him to reach peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but picturing a world where Hunter... I can't McLean, imagine the Miami coaches saying that after he flipped. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea of... Well, he's also small. He's like uh, only 170 pounds. So right. like being a lockdown corner in the power five, yeah, you, you can put you some can body. Get, you but can get, he could probably gain 20 pounds of muscle in six months, right? Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, you did. <laughs> you called me fat, Arky? 20 pounds of muscle. I was a compliment. Oh, no, no. When I was a, when I was a sophomore in high school, I gained 40 pounds in three months. Yeah, so he, he could get bulky. But like Hunter yeah. and McLean, opposite sides. Shador Sanders at quarterback. Um, we're starting to piece together a team that is much must watch for mm-hmm. other reasons besides who their coaches. Are yes. we getting to that point yet? Well, he's doing what he did at Jackson State. He's assembling a roster that is more talented than the school he's at should reasonably expect. And I think that's what you're going to have to do. And I think it, you look at Jackson State, I believe they were 67th in the, the talent composites. So they, they were higher than five Power 5 programs and higher than way higher than all the other FCS programs. If you can be the – with UCLA and USC still in the Pac-12 – if you could be number four talent-wise, you're probably talking about an eight-win team. Now, this is a really good Pac-12 this year. So if they can get to bowl eligibility with what they got in this Pac-12, I think that bodes very well for the future because I think once UCLA and USC leave, assuming normal movement in the Pac-12, other than maybe they take a couple to backfill, there's a chance Colorado could have the second or third most talented roster in the league, which... If you coach it well enough, then you can win it. If even if you don't coach it that great, you're going to win eight games. So the, the four highest-rated players, um, and they brought in over twenty transfers and a few linemen on both sides of the ball. But the top five-rated players, four of those five players are offensive skill guys, r- running back and receiver. Yeah, and the defensive guys a corner. Mm-hmm. I have questions about whether or not he'll be able to build the lines uh, in the past. And, and as, as we've talked about with Max Olson, that's the hardest thing to do. You can't really do it out of the portal, at least not yet, because good offensive and defensive linemen are still the rarest commodities in the portal. And also too, it's more of a supplement. It's not the thing that you build from. Mm-hmm. So, or like if you need one hole to plug, then go ahead and plug it, but you can't replace 10 guys on both sides of the ball. So, my question 
is not so much about how good they're going to be this year. It's about how good they're going to be the following year. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris and, and, Callahan in the chat, really interesting point. Pac-12 in 2024, Colorado could be interesting with all the QBs leaving after the year, which is true. So Caleb Williams is going to go pro. Bo Nix is out of eligibility. Michael Penix Jr. will be out of eligibility. It, it, it will be a lot of people in flux. You know, if DJ has a good year at Oregon State, he's probably off the NFL. So it could be that that you're going from a very deep year in the Pac-12 to not as deep of a year. And oh, by the way, you're also removing USC and UCLA from the equation and maybe adding, you know, we'll see if they add like San Diego State and somebody else. It's like I also think- too, Colorado might get Jaden Rashada and they could end up getting Nicholas Harbor, Harbor mm-hmm. uh, who they're involved with now, the five-star athlete out of the Washington, D.C. Nick- Nicholas I'm- Harbor, that track footage from like a year oh, ago. Dude, I, remember kid, I think he might be the most popped up. He might be the most athletic player in the class. Um, so, you know, and I don't know if that's going to happen. It's, it's, uh, he's been, he's visited Maryland 1.2 million times. Michigan's in the mix there. <laughs> yeah, Maryland's uh, like eight minutes from his house. No, I know, so. but I'm saying Maryland has had a very South Carolina good was track in it record. South Carolina is still in it with him. Yep. So, I mean, you know, Colorado is kind of a late addition here. Um, but, you know, if Deion Sanders, late addition shouldn't matter right i mean he's right and and that is the type of person we're saying it's very hard to find in the portal because he's he's an edge rusher and maybe does he grow into a d tackle or he's probably on the edge um i don't know for sure where i mean that might vary based on where he goes but he strikes me as an edge guy with his speed yeah well that 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 person's more dangerous if you can put him inside with that yeah. kind of speed. So, and he has to maintain yeah. the speed and, and get the body as, weight as on. You, as you yeah. get bigger. But so I, I, I think this is fascinating. No, he's he's a, he's an edge guy at first. So you, you, you're you not moving him inside until he puts on significant weight. So he's 220 yeah. now. He's 6'5", 220. So he, but, uh, but you know, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be a fun storyline. And that's why I was, I was having a phone conversation with a friend. Like the thing I love about college football the most is it's like the NFL, everybody's good or bad, you know, and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And every now and then, Antonio Brown might put up some footage on Snapchat that he's not supposed to, and it'll be a, a story. <laughs> right. But like college football has so many storylines that are all like kind of at yeah. the same time, but on different planes. You know, it's like that's not a national championship contender for a storyline, but like, hell, tell me any general casual fan of the sport that's not interested in what Colorado does. Well, exactly. And, and I'm looking at our chat right now, and Andrew Pace says all the Colorado hype makes me want to take the under. It, like, it, it's interesting because basically Colorado you fall on in, in one or two places. Like you want to see what Dion does. Cause it's kind of cool. Or you're like, shut up about this. I hate, but you're interested. It's sort, of like, Notre, it's sort of like the Notre Dame thing. Like you mentioned Notre Dame and you get a response. You mentioned Dion Sanders and you get a response. Also, if Colorado fails miserably, that's entertaining. Absolutely. They don't have to win to be in like anything that happens there is of interest. So which is which is exactly why Deion Sanders was was the right hire for them, because when did exactly we ever why talk about matter, Colorado before this? And, and exactly why it didn't matter at all to him where it was located or anything. As long as it was in the power five, he would have taken yeah. any P5 job. He would have taken the Syracuse job if it were open based on this. Um, all he wanted was pack uh, power five facilities and a power five schedule. And he which, wanted to do the rest. And. This is what I always say. If you are a power five program that nobody talks about relative to the other teams in your league, hire someone interesting. The question that I have the most about this Colorado thing, I've got a statement and a question. Okay. My statement is everybody is excited to watch Dion do what he does. He's got all this access. Everybody's watching the videos. You know, eventually you have to win. Correct. Because if you don't, then it stops being entertaining. But two, if Dion wins, how long until he leaves? And is this something that Colorado will build off of? Or is it completely and utterly dependent as a program of Dion's presence? Like if Dion rocks shit for three years, they are awesome. Mm-hmm. They win the Pac-12 in year three. He will be hired he decides by to somebody take bigger. The Florida yeah. State job or yeah. whatever job comes open at that time. Yes. Does Colorado immediately fall back into mediocrity? Or can it build off of whatever Dion? Because it's like everything he's doing is like based on Dion. Like Dion's personality, Dion's film crew, Dion this, primetime that. Like, to me, it's exciting for Colorado fans, and I want them to have their moment, but it makes me nervous for the long-term future of the program because they're not going to – Stop predicting the end of it then. 
it'll happen if it happens. I know. Like, and but like, there's proves, something more encouraging if proves, about if he proves you can win there, then maybe somebody else can win there. Yeah, I think the way that he would win there is just something that only Dion could do. There's only one Dion, and like, I think I don't, that's what people are figuring out. And it's like if you're a player or if you're a program where like you get a good, smart coach that isn't prime time that comes in and access or uh, comes up with the perfect plan and executes that plan and like creates the blueprint for the next guy. That I think is often more valuable than some guy who comes in as a flash in the pan for two years, and then bolts to the big job after, because it's not something that you can duplicate. Um, but if they're also really good, I don't understand the reason why he would ever have to leave because he's got it built there. So we'll see how that plays out, but that's just my thought process on where we think stand with, uh, All right. with Colorado. I feel very caught up, Ari. I feel like we've, we've, we've covered I feel like it all. You caught me up. I didn't do anything. I just, I, I told you the stories and you ran with them, but yeah, that I, was am, a good I show. am very, I'm very happy to be back. We have, uh, this is again, this is the off season. It feels like it's loaded. Like we, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to have Bruce Feldman on. He had a story that I think is pretty much designed to blow Ari's mind. He went with the, he looked at the NFL all pro team. And the average star rating on defense was four and a half, as one would expect. The average star rating on offense, two and a half. And he talked to a lot of college coaches, pro coaches, talent evaluators to explain it. And it, it was fascinating. So we're going to talk to Bruce about that this week. We're going to catch up with the Portal Authority, Max Olson. Some more crazy news will break because that's that's how this works now. Enjoy it, folks. This is the offseason. It doesn't have to be all random rankings, though we're going to have some of those too. I hope so, man. I want to delve deep into Ari's mind. I know. I, and we have a lot of topics. That, I'm going to start sorting through topics. Oh, I saw this on uh, Barstool's Twitter yesterday. I wanted to ask okay. you before we go sure. since it's the offseason. Do you know how to solve a Rubik's Cube? I don't, but I know there's a YouTube clip that if I watch it, I can probably get it in a few minutes. Okay. Would you rather go to prison for a year or go into a prison cell with a unsolved Rubik's Cube mm. and you get out when you solve it? Having not seen the YouTube video? Yeah, you get no resources. I give you the thing right now and you go. Oh, I think I could do it in a year, yeah. I think I would go nuts. Like if it went if it got to like day four and I couldn't figure it out, could you imagine the pressure mounting? (laughs) Like what would happen to you psycho psychologically if like you're like in week two and you still can't and like you would be like, I'm never gonna get out of here. And think about like how insane that would make you. You would go nuts. I think I would take the year and just coast. Lose some weight, do some push-ups, and just get out of there. <laughs> Ari's just doing push-ups and burpees the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, comes uh, out yoked. Sleep in every day for an entire year. I don't know. It wouldn't be we'll so see. bad if it was minimum security resort. Well, Ari, Ari and I are on our uh, our New Year's resolution tip, tip right now. Uh, Ari's been sending me pictures of his salads. I have not been sending my salads to Ari, but there have been a lot of salads. So we're trying. It was a bad. I was very poorly behaved. Through the holidays and, and vacation. It's so I'm, cutting, I'm, it's cutting season, guys. I know I said yeah. it before, but it's actually cutting season. It's, it's, it's shredding season. If you think I'm arrogant now, if I get skinny, I'm going to become even more insufferable. I'm going to do, I'll, then I'll really do it, tarps. I'm going to be like Andy. I'm going to take pictures of, of myself with my shirt off. You know, we found a picture. I found a picture of me that I sent to Ari the other day. It was from 2016. It was when SI, I was at SI and we did a, a live draft show. And Chris Burke, who we now work with at, at The Athletic, is I'm saying something and he's looking at me like, did you eat everything? I, I must, like, I thought I was at my heaviest in 2020, Ari, but I might have weighed 300 pounds in that picture. It's bad. Still sexy though, man. I was I was wearing my Gus's still, famous fried chicken shirt. You still had the dimple, man. You still had the dimple. Yeah. Well, let's let's put it this way. I ain't going back. Yeah. So I'm gonna go eat a salad. We have tons of stuff to talk about the rest of the week. I cannot wait. I'm so happy to be back. We'll talk to you again soon.